So in that video clip, and I really wanted to play the rest of that clip, but a lot of you still haven't seen the movie. And tonight we're uh, we actually we, we got a we're 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 trying to raise we're trying to raise our young people right and our single adults. We're trying to help them. And they have, a lot of them haven't seen this movie. They just don't know the joy of old black and white movies. So we've invited all the single adults over to our house tonight. And uh, so they haven't seen the movie. So I, I, I kind of cut things short a little bit this morning with that. But in the video clips, we saw two prayers, two prayers that were prayed by George Bailey. And the first one that, that he prays, he, he prays, and, and if you, I hope you could hear what he was saying. He said, he began by saying, God, I'm not a praying man. Now we get all the way, you know, way into this movie until finally, boom, we see a lot of George's life as he's growing up and things, and then boom, I, I, I'm not a praying man. Listen, Jesus, Jesus didn't just come to give us a holiday. I mean, that's a good thing, right? I mean, some of you I know, I've talked to some, a couple of guys that, that are off the rest, of the, rest of the rest of the year. They don't have to go back to work. And I know some of you have big holidays and vacations. You get, you get extra pay or something like that. I mean, it's an awesome thing, you know, to have a holiday. But Jesus didn't come so we could have a holiday. He came so we could know him. Uh, he came so we could know this, 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 this awesome God that is there. He, you know, he, he's not just a God that created the universe. He's a God that wants relationship with you. And that's, that's why he came. Uh, George, it took him forever to get to this point, but he finally at this point in not just the movie, but in his life, says, I'm not a praying man, but please help me here. <laughs> show me the way, show me the way. I, I don't know what to do, okay? All right, so let's talk a little bit today about prayer because prayer is the way you connect with God. Okay, that's, that's really what it's about. Here's, here's the first thing is prayer was not meant to be a last resort. You know, it's, it was not meant to be a Hail Mary. Now, if you have a Catholic background, that means something different to you than it means to everybody else. Okay, but, if, but let me tell you what it means to those who weren't raised, you know, if you're a Catholic. Let me tell you what it means to, to everybody who wasn't raised Catholic. It means a last second pass at the end of the football game to try and win, or a, a half-court shot with the buzzer just about to sound in, in a basketball game. We have taken, you know, Hail Mary, which is a prayer in Catholicism, in Catholic Church. We've taken that and we've turned it into a, a last ditch effort to do things. You know, that's what George did also. I mean, it was a last ditch. I don't know what else to do, God. I'm not a praying man, so let me try this. A last resort. It wasn't meant to be that way. It was meant to be this regular, constant communication. All right, and, and there's the scripture right there, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Paul says, pray without ceasing or pray continually, pray all the time. Here's, here's part of the problem, is we misunderstand that when we see it. We see it and we, we misunderstand what he's saying. We kind of see that, a lot of people see that as a bad thing. Now, now you know, this week, you're going to go to visit lots of different people and you're going to eat dinner with people you hadn't seen all year, you know, for, since last Christmas or whatever. And, and you know, some of those places you walk in and you really hope when, when everybody sits down that you aren't seated by old crazy aunt, whatever her last, her name is, right? You hope you aren't seated there and that you've got to engage her in conversation and answer all of her crazy questions, and, you know, about, you know, why you're not married yet, you know, or why you don't have kids yet, you know, or, uh, or whatever it is that she talks about. And you're really just hoping, I don't have to sit by a crazy old aunt, whatever her name is, right? 
It would be bad if Paul had written, talk forever with crazy old aunt, whatever her name is. That would be bad. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is you have the opportunity and the privilege to talk every single moment of your life with the God that created this universe. The one who died for your sin, who sent his own son to die for your sin. You have that, and that's what this means. You have this privilege to speak to him at any point. So, so when you get in trouble, you know, you know, George realized his life wasn't going the way he wanted to a long time before he finally prayed. How many of us do that? We realize things aren't going the way they need to for a long time before we finally say, God, I need some help here. But prayer wasn't meant to be your last resort. Prayer is meant to be the very first thing you turn to, the connection with God. He's standing there. He's just waiting, just waiting on a phone call, just waiting on the prayer. He's waiting right then. Secondly, prayer is also not, uh, I'm sorry, prayer is not telling God what you need because he's already at work on it. God already knows. Let me go ahead and read scripture to you, for you also. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. You know who said that? Jesus. The Son of God said, your Father in heaven, he already knows what you need before you ask him. So praying is not telling God what you need. It's telling him, I believe that you can help me with this thing that I need. My struggle and my battle and my whatever. And see, if we look at, we look at George right here, we can see, see this, this also. is because God saw George's life. He saw George's predicament. He saw everything that George was dealing with. He saw this night happening before this night happened. He saw George struggling with it. He heard, before George prayed that prayer in the clip, just to be, God, God heard George's prayer before it was prayed. He heard it. He knew that it was there. And before it happened, he saw George's suicide attempt. Before it happened, before all those things. And so every bad thing that happens in your life, before all those things happen, God already knows. He already sees. So prayer is not, you know, uh, yeah, go ahead and tell him because he says you, you have not because you ask not. Tell him what you need, but understand you, you're not telling him because he doesn't know. You're telling him because you're connecting with him about this thing. You know, you ever had a friend that really knows everything you're going through, but you still just wanted to sit down and talk to him? Even though they knew all the problems you had, you still just want to kind of talk it out. Just, it's almost like you just, you just wanted somebody to lay it on. You know, say, I, I know you know all this, but do you mind if I just talk and get some of this off my chest? That's what God is saying. Let's connect in this, and, and you can get some stuff off your chest and, and deal with some of the issues. He didn't come to be a baby just laid in a manger. He came to be your best friend. He came to sit there and listen to you when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're battling. And so for those of you who are really struggling this Christmas, listen, that's why he came. He came so you could talk to him and you could tell him about all, all of your problems, all your, all your issues. And thirdly, thirdly, prayer is always answered. Uh, you know, we, get, we, we struggle with this a little bit too. Uh, let me go ahead and read the scripture, Psalm 8411. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. He will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. He has already given you the very best that he had to offer when he gave you his son. I can't think of anything in my life that I treasure more than my family and my kids. And so when I think about what God did that he gave his only son, 
He gave you already. He is already, already before you were born. He gave you the very best he had to offer. So then why can't you believe what it said right here in Psalms? That he will withhold no good thing from you because he's already given his best. It's like if I gave you $100 before church and you came back and said, Pastor, I need one more dollar. Do you think I said, no, I ain't giving you a That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? He's already given his best. And so if there's some other little thing that you need, I mean, he's already given you salvation. He's already given you eternal life. He's already given you connection and relationship with him. Then there's nothing else that he will withhold from you. Nothing else whatsoever. Okay, but let me tell you, there, here's my, here is, is potentially the issue. Is that cause, because sometimes you might not get what you want because he might want to give you something better than you want. You know, I mean, sometimes I, I think like George Bailey, you know, he kept trying to do something totally different in his life and he didn't realize, man, I already have a wonderful life. I am, I am changing the world one family, one person at a time. He is blowing that out the door. I mean, he was, he was amazing as what he was doing with his life, yet he still was saying, but I want this and I want this and I want this. And he had something in his life that kept stopping him from going and doing what he wanted to do because there was something better. And perhaps, maybe if, you know, if life isn't quite working out for you right now and you're saying, but I won't, but I won't, maybe God is protecting you from yourself because he's got something about it. Now listen, and I don't mean, you know, you pray for ice cream, but God says, no, I'm gonna give you Brussels sprouts instead. I don't mean that way that, you know, it's like, you might not get what you need or what you want, but he's got something better for you. No, I'm talking about the very, very best. It's more like you're praying for ice cream and you'll be happy with anything. And he said, no, I'm not just vanilla. I'm going to give you Rocky Road or something like that. It's amazing. What God wants to do, God is the God of amazing. You look, you look in Scripture, you see what he did. Every time he did something, he did it beyond what was called for. You know, these people, this, these uh, 5,000 families that were hungry, he fed them all and they had 12 baskets full left over when he was done. Uh, David, David talked about the psalmist and, and he talked about my cup and, and you know, and we, some of us say, well, my cup is empty. He said, my cup overflows. My cup runneth over. Why? With the blessings of God. Why? Why does God, do, because God does everything like that. Uh, the, when, when he called Simon Peter and, and then he was giving him a sign to, to let him show, he, he performed a miracle. Simon Peter had fished all night and caught nothing in his nets. And Jesus said, cast on the other side. And he cast his nets on the other side. And as he started pulling up, the, the boat began to sink because there were so many fish. That's how God does things. He's not doling blessings out with an eyedropper. He wants to pour blessings out on you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says that you cannot receive. He wants to give you so much. He wants to pour, have men pour into your lap more than you can hold. That's who God really is. I mean, he had to even tell his, his children, the, the Israelites, when they were wandering through the wilderness and he was feeding with manna every day, he had to tell them every day, now listen, don't take more than you need for today because it's going to spoil by tomorrow. You know what that tells me? That tells me that he was putting more out there than they could eat in the day because he had to warn them, don't, don't take more than you actually need for the day. God is a God of amazing and he's not going to withhold from us the good stuff that we need. He does, he does these things, but, but, but here, here's, here's kind of the catch. Here, here's the catch. Is prayer does just, it just does not work in a vacuum. You know what I mean? In a vacuum without anything else. A vacuum is like that place that's empty and there's nothing there. Prayer does not work in a vacuum. It has to be connected to something else. 
And sometimes, okay, people say, okay, there, there's the catch. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about forgiveness of sin. Because that is totally, completely free. But when you've got needs and you come to God, you remember the seed sermon series from just a couple of months ago? You got to give God something to work with. You know, you don't just say, God, I got a, pro- I got a lot of problems with water, and then run off and forget. You got to give him something to work with. So let me show you, some, let me show you the three big things that prayer really needs to connect. And the first one is seeds of obedience, okay? In this, and in, in there's the scriptures. We're not take time to read all these scriptures. I don't have time. We could preach all day about this. I don't have time to read them, but there you've got the references. If you want to write them down or you can look at them on the Sunday's page a little later. But Dorcas, this was a, this was a lady that, that had died. And, and, and they called Peter to come pray for her. And they said, oh, Peter. And, and they took Peter in. They showed Peter. Look at all this stuff that she had done. And she had made clothes for all of the people in the church and all the needy families. They said she um, more than anybody needs. You know, we don't need to lose her. And she deserves to have an awesome. And so Peter prayed. And God restored her back to life. He said, look at all the good things that she had done. Or uh, in, in Luke chapter 7. Uh, there was a centurion who had a servant that had gotten sick. And so he called some of the, some of the, the, the leaders and said, go to Jesus and ask Jesus if he will heal my servant. And so when they came to, to Jesus, they said, this centurion, he's been so good to us. Please pray for his servant. And, and Jesus healed the servant because somebody had planted some seeds of obedience or good works. Like George, George Bailey in the movie. Like George, I mean, that's, that's what it was all about. I mean, the seeds he has planted, that's what he was doing, even though he, he almost despised his life. But he was planting such good seed. And so when he asked, God, show me the way I'm lost, in the movie, God shows up with an awesome, awesome answer. Awesome answer. But I know some of you could say, I've really not been a good person most of my life. And I'm really not a giving person. I, I don't ever buy anybody's lunch that's in the drive through line behind me. And I, I buy for my family for Christmas. And I don't like to spend my money. I've never done anything like that, Pastor. So how can I pray and have a connection? Well, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that connection. It could be something else. Not just prayer, uh, not just good works, but prayer can be connected to faith. You just need to start believing. If, if, you've, if you've been a bad person all of your life, if you've never done anything for anybody else outside of maybe your little circle of family and friends, you can start today with just faith and believing. And here, uh, next slide, I'm sorry, the connection of, of faith. Here we have at least, at least four different instances. Those first four scriptures right there, again, they're on the Sunday's page. Those first, first four scriptures, four different instances that Jesus healed somebody and he specifically said, it's because of your faith. You are healed today because of your faith, because you believe that I am able to do this, because you've come to me, because doctors have said no and they can't do anything and they've tried, but because you've come to me, Jesus said, because of your faith, you have four different times at least that I know of in scripture that he says, it's because, of, not because of your good works, because, you know, I mean, I'm glad it's not all on good works because even though I try to do a lot of good ones, I sometimes do some bad ones, you know? I'm glad that sometimes it's just on faith, just on faith believing. And look, look what he says. I got to read the last one to you. John chapter one, verse 12 says, but to all who believed him, Jesus, and accepted him, Jesus, Jesus gave the right to become the children of God. How do we become part of his family and how do we get this connection that we can pray and, and, and we can begin to see him do awesome things in our life by believing in Jesus? It's, 
John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish. Whoever believes in him, whoever has faith in him, whoever has, has a belief in him that they act on, that they will never perish, but they will have everlasting life. Our sins are forgiven because of this belief. And so you may sit there and say, but still, I, I don't know. Some of those things you talk about, pastor, throw your net on the other side of the boat and I'll give you a lot of fish. It sounds kind of... Mm. Sounds kind of a little bit more than my faith can really fathom right now or gather. I got some real issues in my family, Pastor, and I don't see God saving my marriage. I don't see God rescuing my kids out of whatever it is they're in. And so your faith may not be up to a level where you think you can say, God, by my faith, please do this. Don't worry, I still got one more for you. It can be connected to obedience, good works, doing good things kind of planting those seeds. It could be connected to faith, or it could also be connected. And, and, and this one, this is the third one, and it's kind of obedience, but it's in a willingness to be obedient. One time Jesus met a, a blind man that came to him, and, and Jesus spat on the ground and made mud and stuck it in his eyes and stuck it over his eyes, and he said, now go down and wash at the pool called Siloam. And he went and washed, and when he washed, he could see. Maybe, maybe this guy had never done a lot of good works because he was blind. Maybe he couldn't do a whole lot of good. Maybe he didn't have a lot of faith because nobody had ever told him about God a whole lot because a lot of times we look at somebody that isn't just exactly like us and we don't think they have the capability of doing all the things that we can do. But it was just the willingness. Just do what he says to do. Just maybe, it, maybe it's even right now that, or, or right before this message when I started talking about and bragging on you guys of all the good things that you have done and you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, but I, I ain't done anything this Christmas except buy presents for myself and my family. And just something inside of you said, you need to go do something for somebody. Then just be willing, willing to do it. That was God speaking. Say, do something for somebody. You need ideas? Go to the angel table back here, angel tree table back here. And me will give you some ideas right after service. But do something. Just be willing. Or in the Old Testament as well, 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a man that, was, that had leprosy. Was, we don't see that around here in these days, but it is still around the world, but we don't see it here. But he had, it was a skin condition, a skin disease. And, and, and he wanted to be healed of it. And the prophet said, go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. And I've heard sermon after sermon, you know, growing up in church, man, I've heard so many sermons about, about the faith of, of Naaman. But you know what? I don't even know that he had faith so much as he was just willing to be obedient. And he did. But let me, let me give you one for today here right now. John, uh, James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And, and, and see, here, here again, here's God. If you're sick, ask the church to pray for you. Ask, ask the elders or someone, you know, who is more mature in, you, in the Lord than you are. Ask them to pray for you. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick, but then... God does even more. You just ask for, for healing, and it says, a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven them, and he keeps on doing, and he keeps on doing, and he keeps on blessing, and keeps on blessing. And so you see, again, he, he goes on, and James also says, you know, you have not because you ask not. I mean, th that's really what he says for us to do, is just talk to him. Just let him know the issues that you have. 
Just let him know the needs and just connect. And, and, and if you've not been planting any seeds of, of good deeds and things, then, then, then just try to believe in him. And if you can't believe in him, then just be willing to. Whatever, whatever it is you want me to do, is there somebody I can bless? Is there somebody I can, is there somebody I can you know, rake their leaves? Is there somebody I can do something for some? God, just, just show me. He said, just, just connect with me. And let's just make something happen in your life. Let, let me show you, the, show you this to you r- real quick in just a, a few other examples. And, and three words right here, commitment, consistency, and passion. Let me, let me tell you about just a few guys in, in the Bible. One of them was, was Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he, he, when God began to speak to him, he wrote this long, long book, okay, book of Jeremiah. And when God began to speak to him, he said, I'm too young. You know what God immediately said? Don't ever say you're too young. What? You read it right there. Uh, and actually, the scripture reference is on the Sunday's page, okay? Uh, but he said, I'm too young. God said, don't ever say you're too young. And you remember what he wrote? We call it chapter 29, verse 11. 29, 11, 29, 11. Got that? You, you know what he wrote? He, he wrote those words. This guy that said, I'm too young to hear from God and speak these things. He wrote, God says, I know the plans I have for you, not to do you harm or to do you evil, but to do good things, to give you a future and a hope. He wrote those words. Uh, also, uh, I'm sorry, give me that list, the next one. What was it, Moses? Was it Moses? Uh, I'm sorry, thank you for, uh, for uh, jump, jump ahead to me, and, and I'll come back to that. Jump ahead to me real quick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Moses, yeah, Moses. You remember Moses? When God came to Moses and, and called him, Moses said, I can't even talk plain. I, I, I stutter, I, I struggle with and I can't even do that. But, but God said, I'm still sending you, I'm still sending you, I'm still sending you. Every time he gave him an excuse, God said, I'm still sending you, I'm still sending you. And, and he, led, he led a couple of million people through the wilderness to get to a land that God had promised them. Here, here's the thing with Moses. Pharaoh was killing all the male Hebrew boys being born. And God had this elaborate plan how he would not just rescue him, but have him raised actually in Pharaoh's house. And God, listen to me, somebody needs to hear this. God did not rescue Moses in such a manner just so he could be watching sheep on the backside of the desert. Moses got, had gotten comfortable with watching sheep and he was like, ah, I can't talk plain, don't send me back. Don't send me to talk to those people. And God was like, I didn't do all this to you just to let you be comfortable watching sheep. Somebody here needs to hear that today. Because some of you, 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 you've worked and you've worked and you've worked, now you're just about ready to give up and say, well, this is all I'll ever have in life. Listen, he didn't give his very best he had to offer and stick that little baby and, and, and Mary and, and Joseph's arms, lay him in a manger, put him here on this earth to die on the cross of Calvary for your sin. He didn't do that just so you could be satisfied with the little bit that you've got. He wants to do something more, much more amazing in your life. Like David. He was anointed to be the king a long time before he was a king. And yet he still was watching sheep. God didn't anoint him to watch sheep. Even though he, he wanted to battle Goliath and his family said, not you. God didn't anoint him to just watch sheep. Or Simon Peter. Simon Peter, after Jesus died and rose again, you know what Simon Peter said? I'm going fishing. And so while he was fishing, Jesus shows up on the shore and he's cooking breakfast. Simon Peter recognizes him, jumps in the water, swims to shore, gets there. And Jesus said, come on, eat. It's time to eat. And while they're eating, he said, okay, Simon Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times. He asked him three times until he feed his sheep. You know why? Because Simon Peter had gone fishing. And Jesus said, listen, I didn't pour three years of my life into you so that you could go fishing. 
I poured three years of my life into you, three years of ministry into you for you to be an amazing minister to other people around you. Feed the sheep. Find somebody who has a need. Find someone who doesn't know me and feed the sheep. Now, you know what all these men had in common? Their passion sometimes was lacking. Thank God, because sometimes mine's lacking. I don't get up every morning feeling as good as I feel right now. And excited about coming in. I mean, Merry Christmas. No, there's some days it ain't Merry Christmas. There's some days it's other things. Thank God it's not my passion. Thank God it's, 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 you know, it's not the passion. Thank God it's not consistent. Sometimes they're not very consistent. In every, sometimes I blow it. I'm not very consistent. You know, you know what they had? It's commitment. Jeremiah said, I'm young, but I'll try. Moses said, I've gotten comfortable here but I'll try. David said, nobody else sees it in me. Oh, somebody listen to that. Nobody else sees amazing in me, but I'll try. And Simon Peter said, I've messed up more times than I can count, but I'll try. That's, that's what they have in common, and that's what every person that makes it has in common. And you know, I kind of jumped over, and thanks, Chase, for pointing that to me. But I, I got to say this. I, I probably need to just hurry and just skip it, but I got to go back to you and say this, because you, if you didn't read it a few moments ago on the screen, you got to see this. You know, we get extremely upset about all these stores out here that say happy holidays, right? Okay, come, you better say amen or oh me. You know we do. They don't say, they don't say Merry Christmas, and we get all, all my, I'll never go back shopping there again because they made the decision to, to never say Merry Christmas again. And then, and then what are we doing? We go into the store, and we're blessing out some cashier because she's too slow, right? You know what's more important? What is more important than protecting the word Christmas is showing the Christmas spirit, the spirit of Christ. What's more important this season is not for people to, to say Merry Christmas, but for your spirit, for your attitude to be Christmas, to be Christ. So sometimes, and, and we've talked a little bit about this throughout this whole sermon series, sometimes we just need an attitude adjustment, don't we? Amen. Don't we need an attitude adjustment? And I mean, if, if anybody looks at you a little weird, you know, here around Christmas because they know you're different than you normally are, that tells you you need an attitude adjustment. You know, if, if you know, having, having gifts waiting on you later this week, having awesome meals waiting on you, Christmas parties or, or, or a, a Christmas bonus, all that waiting on you has gotten you in a good attitude and good spirit and everything and, and people notice that, then you need an attitude adjustment the rest of the year. Jesus Christ wasn't born and laid in a manger so we could have a great week at the end of our year. He came to this earth, died, so that you could have an awesome life. And just like George Bailey, let's, let's hurry, the last slide up there, George Bailey, his, his second prayer, he said, I want to live again. I want to live again. You know, we think repentance is saying, I'm sorry. That's not what repentance is. Look it up. Okay, look it up. It, that's not what repentance, Google it if you want to right now. That is not what, repentance is not saying I'm sorry. It is a reorientation. It is, wait a minute, let, let's fix some things here in my life. It is a course correction. It's saying I'm not headed in the right direction. It is an attitude adjustment, which a lot of us 
need the other 51 weeks out of the year. It is an attitude of It is a changing of priorities. And that's what George Bailey gets in this movie. And that's why I say he repented. I'm not saying he said, Father, forgive me of all my sins. He didn't say that. But he had a change of heart and a change of attitude that made him realize, I already have a wonderful life. It is feeling regret and doing something about it. It is not saying you're sorry. It is being sorry and doing something about it. It is being sorry for sinning against God or against his creation and doing something about it. And not just saying, God, forgive me of my sins, but God, wash me clean and help me start walking in a way that you will be pleased with and that others around me will be blessed by. That's what repentance is. And I invite you this morning. I know that some of you have been, as I was praying just earlier, you've been checking God out. You know, you're never going to really learn by just checking him out. Make your decision today. To go ahead and start relationship with him and say, God, I got to have a new direction. And maybe my past good deeds aren't good enough. And maybe my faith isn't strong enough, but I'm willing, God, if you just are willing. And just do what he says do. Just pray. Just open your heart this morning. And just tell him you want to start a relationship with him. And we don't really believe here, 2911, that when you wake up tomorrow morning, the entire world is going to be so different. You will never have any problems whatsoever because you, you start. No. We sow seeds, and sometimes we have to get back in the garden and pull up some weeds. Sometimes we have to still deal with some things. But you have no greater friend, and you have no greater strength than you will find in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. If you will, would you join me at the front? You'll stand. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final comment, maybe a final prayer and a final song. We're going to close with a final song again this morning. And uh, we'd just like for you to join us. If you will, if you're a first-time attender and you feel comfortable, please come join us. We invite everyone to join us for this last. We don't, we, I promise you, we won't do anything weird down here. We just, we just really want to spend a few moments really, really close together. Let me say something after I pray so I don't start singing yet. Come on, press it just a little bit. Got a couple of, that's good, that's good. Uh, you don't have to get too close. I don't need a pit, mosh pit to jump out into or anything. I just. <laughs> George Bailey got an awesome gift in this movie. He got an awesome gift. He got to see what life would be like if. Wouldn't you like, I've always said, I, I, hope, there's, I hope there's a machine in heaven that we can see a lot of what ifs. I would love, I, I love this what if, you know, what if, what if, what if this had happened different? What if I had moved here? What if I'd gone there? You know, I just, just kind of love to, to, you know, all that kind of thing, you know? He got that gift. He got that gift to really see what if. What if I had never lived? And you and I, we need the same. We need, we need the same. We need a vision of what if. 
but kind of the opposite of what George got to see. Instead of seeing what if we hadn't lived, we need the positive. We need to see the positive. What if every one of you, if you're a, if you're a believer, you're close to God, you've got a relationship with Him, or you don't know Jesus, you've not ever prayed and asked Him to forgive you your sins. Every one of us, we need to see really what life would really be like if we totally connected with Him. What, would it, what could it really, really be? God is a God of second chances. But let me tell you something He won't do. Let me ask you this question just before I tell you what He won't do. And I've asked you this for the past, I don't know, seven, eight, nine weeks. How many of you need God to do amazing in your life? You've got something you need. Come on, raise your hand. Just go ahead. Get his. I need amazing, God. Just like George Bailey praying, hey, I need some help here. I need amazing. Prayer team members are all around you. They're willing to pray if you, if you want some help praying. Let me tell you what God won't do with your second chance. With our sin, he washes them away, free. That's done. Grace, amazing grace that washes away our sin. But with all the other stuff in it, we don't get to wipe the slate clean. You're married, you come to know Jesus, you don't, you don't get a new wife because you come to know Jesus or a new husband, as much as some of you might think you need one. George Bailey didn't need a new life. He already had a wonderful life. He just needed an attitude adjustment. He just needed a course correction. You already have so many wonderful things already in your life. You don't need God to wipe this. You don't need to start all over. What God wants to do is he wants you to see what is already so awesome and wonderful in your life, and then he wants to help you fix what isn't yet. And yet it might take a little work. It's going to take some faith. But just like with the movie, just like with all these examples in Scripture, it's worth it. When you see a pretty good life become a wonderful life, that's what He wants to do for you. Would you bow with me? I want to ask you right now, if, if you don't know Jesus, invite Him into your heart today. Just say, hey, I, I need this, man. I need awesome in my life. I need amazing, just like these people that raise their hand. But let me ask you also, for every one of us standing here, we need to recommit our life. We need, we need a course correction. We all get off course, even, even if we've been following Jesus 10, 20 years. Maybe those of us who have followed him the longest maybe need a course correction more than anybody. Because it's so easy to just barely veer off course and be traveling that way for so long without even realizing. Every one of us today, we need to pray. We just need to ask God. This Christmas, help us see the wonderful life we already have and help us allow you to make it even more wonderful. Would you pray that with me right now? Father, I ask you.